So Christmas tells us that the story isn't over, which is maybe sort of a strange way to think about Christmas because many of us think of Christmas as the beginning of the story. I mean, after all, it's the first big story in the New Testament. It's about Jesus's birth, his beginning, his introduction to his story. Christmas seems like it's the beginning of a story, but really, for one story to start, it means that another story has to come to an end. And so you see, the, the Christmas story starts at the beginning of what seemed like an ending. Before Jesus was born, there was about 400 years of silence from God. You see, there's only one small, thin, page-turn difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. But, but that one thin page represents 400 years, 400 years of nothing, blank, silence from God. God wasn't speaking. It seemed like God's story had come to an end, but Christmas tells us that the story isn't over. Christmas is, is what I call God's going to do it anyway plan. <laughs> Christmas is when God said, I'm going to do it anyway, regardless. Christmas is is God saying, I'm going to do this regardless. God's going to do it in spite of you, in spite of me, in spite of us, in spite of impossible circumstances and improbable places. God's going to do it anyway. In, In spite of Mary being in unmarried virgin, in spite of Joseph's confusion, in spite of there being no place for them to stay, in spite of being in Bethlehem, and nobody taking notice but some shepherds, God's going to do it anyway. You see, from heaven's perspective, Christmas was spectacular. From earth's perspective, it was underwhelming disappointing. From heaven's perspective, it was just awesome to think that the eternal, everlasting, infinite God would wrap himself up in human flesh and come and move into our neighborhood. But from earth's perspective, God was born on the hit list. They've been trying to kill God ever since he showed up. There were no vacancy signs anywhere to be found. God was born to a teenage mom-shamed mom who was trying to explain to her boyfriend it's not what it looks like. From Earth's perspective, there's no palace. There's no guards. There's no grand surroundings. It was mundane. Forgettable, even. So let's just take... Let's just take, for example, where Jesus was born, Bethlehem. More specifically, born in a manger in Bethlehem, surrounded by some animals. Now, nobody forgets a birth. You ask any parent what hospital their child was born in, and they will tell you where, what time of day, who was there, the weight, and the length of the baby. Okay, you ask any mom that. Um, Because the dad remembers the name and the snacks that were there. Anything above that is is just bonus points. But just as a reminder for all of us, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem was significant because of its insignificance. 
Yeah, let me, let me say that again. Bethlehem was significant because of its insignificance. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. The, the prophet Micah writes this in the Old Testament before, about 700 years before the birth of Jesus. Micah says this, Micah chapter 5, says, As for you, Bethlehem of Ephratath, though you are the least significant of Judah's forces. Wow. Okay. Micah throwing a little shade on Bethlehem. But, but isn't that what this story is all about anyways? God bringing the greatest gift from the most improbable place. God bringing the greatest gift out of an impossible situation. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. Christ was born to save us from our brokenness, but he was born in such a broken place. And so what is, what is Bethlehem besides, besides just insignificant? Some of you might know Bethlehem, that's the place where Jesus was born. Maybe some others of you, you know Bethlehem as the place where King David was born. You know King David, the little kid with his slingshot and the giant Goliath, that King David. That King David was born in Bethlehem. After all, that's why Mary and Joseph had to travel back to Bethlehem because a census was being taken. Everyone had to travel back to their hometown, and Joe was a descendant from King David. But the problem was that Mary's OBGYN did not live in Bethlehem. It's a bit of an inconvenience, I would say. But did you know Did you know that the first time Bethlehem shows up in the Bible, it actually shows up in the very first book of the Bible in Genesis, Genesis chapter 35. And and this is why, this is why it's called Little Town of Bethlehem. Genesis chapter 35 says this, says they, they, they being uh, Jacob, who was the son of Isaac. Isaac was a pretty important guy. Uh, So Jacob and his wife, Rachel, they left Bethel. And when they were still some distance from Ephrath, Rachel went into hard labor. That that seems a little bit redundant because, well, (laughs) every labor is hard, right? I, I love it when the dad says, we're having a baby. No, you're not, man. You're just in charge of the ice chips. You're not doing anything. You see, birthing something is, is always, it's always difficult. But this birth was, was dangerously difficult. It goes on, it says, During her, Rachel's difficult labor, the midwife said to her, Don't be afraid. You have another son. And as her life faded away, just before she died, She named him Ben-Onai, but his father named him Benjamin. Now, now this part, this needs some explaining, so so hang with me here for a moment. I I know y'all got things to do. You got food to eat. You just want to light your candle and get out of here, okay? But just, just hang with me here for a minute. Rachel gives birth to this baby, and she calls him Ben-Onai, which means son of my sorrow. Ben, the word meaning a son, and Onai, which means sorrow or pain or trouble. And while she's breathing her last breath, 
She names her child out of the pain that she is currently experiencing. But his father, Jacob, names this child Benjamin. Now, now Jacob had just lost the only woman that he had ever really loved. But in the middle of his loss, he decides to label this child, not according to what he is about to bury, but he decides to label this child according to what is birthed out of what has been buried. Goes on, verse 19, it says, Rachel died and was buried near the road to Ephrath. That is Bethlehem. Jacob set up a pillar on her grave. It's the pillar on Rachel's tomb that is still there today. Still there today. Some of y'all know about that. That in this last year, you've had to maybe bury some things. Maybe you've had to bury someone. And now Christmas is different. Because you've set up too many pillars. Or, or maybe for you, maybe, maybe it's been a dream, a hope, a, a promise that you've had to lay to rest. Maybe it's been a relationship or, or a career. Or, or maybe, maybe you feel like, like it's, it's part of you or part of your past or part of your identity that you've had to bury. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. How still we see thee lie. Some of y'all have been like Jacob in Bethlehem. But, but listen to this. Listen to this. Bethlehem's story isn't over. Your story isn't over. And, and look, I, I'm not saying that just get over it and move on. The story goes on. No, 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 no. Jacob wept. Jacob set up a pillar. Rachel was worth loving and she was worth grieving over. If something or someone is worth loving, then they are worth grieving over when it's gone. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that that doesn't have to be the end to your story. Your story doesn't have to end there because Bethlehem's story didn't end with Rachel. No, no, King David, the little shepherd boy, came out of Bethlehem. Then the Old Testament prophet Micah, he shows up onto the scene, and he declares this weird and this strange thing about this little town called Bethlehem. Micah says, as for you, Bethlehem of Ephratath, though you are the least significant of Judah's forces, one who is to be a ruler in Israel, on my behalf, God says, will come out from you. His origin is from remote times, from ancient of days. Therefore, he will give them up until the time when she who is in labor gives birth. The rest of his kin will return to the people of Israel. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. They will dwell secure. Because he will surely become great throughout the earth. He will become one of peace. Listen to that. He will stand and shepherd his flock, his people, and they will dwell secure because, because he will become great throughout the earth. He will ensure 
peace. Out of Bethlehem came Jacob's greatest pain. But out of Bethlehem came God's greatest promise. And so I I wonder, what will come out of your Bethlehem? Will it be pain or promise? Will, Will it be sorrow or hope? What will your story be? How will your story be told? And how will your story end? Your story isn't over. Which, by the way, I forgot to tell y'all um, what Benjamin's name actually means. So, so let's go back. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 35. Rachel named her son Ben-Onai, which means son of suffering, son of sorrow, son of pain or trouble. But Jacob, his father, names him Ben-Jamin, which means son of strength or son of my right hand, son of blessing. Bethlehem isn't the place where Rachel died. And Bethlehem isn't the place where sorrow is born. No, no, Bethlehem is the place where the son of strength comes from. As for you, Bethlehem, though you are least significant, one who is to be a ruler will come out of you. God rewrites the story because the story isn't finished just yet. Bethlehem isn't where I buried Rachel. It's where my Savior was born. Because now here comes another pregnant woman carrying a child who is the hope of the world. Not the son of sorrow, but the son who has come to take sorrow away. Not the son of pain, but the son who has come to take on our pain. The promise of heaven, the healer of nations, the place of pain has now become the place of promise. O little town of Bethlehem, how grace has been given over and overtaken our grief. That the son of sorrow has now been succeeded by the son of of blessing, O little town of Bethlehem, that in thy dark street shineth an everlasting light. And the hopes and fears of all of these years are met in thee tonight. Jacob's story didn't end in Bethlehem. Benjamin's story didn't end in Bethlehem because Bethlehem's story isn't over. The story isn't over. That one day an angel shows up to Mary and says this in Luke chapter 1. Angel says, look, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father, and he will rule over Jacob's house, which is Benjamin's house. Benjamin, who came from Bethlehem forever, and there will be no end to his kingdom. The story isn't over because with God, the grave never gets the last word. Yet in thy dark street shineth an everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all of these years are met in thee tonight. It's not over. 
Because this is Christmas. God, God's going to do it anyway. God's going to do it anyway, in, in spite of you, in spite of me, in, in spite of us. In spite of coming out of the most improbable places and the most impossible circumstances, in spite of Mary being an unwed virgin and all of Joseph's confusion, in spite, in spite of Bethlehem, the story isn't over because God's going to do it anyway. That's Christmas. That's Christmas. God's going to do it anyway, because God loves you anyway, regardless whether you've been naughty or nice, faithful or faithless, God's going to do it anyway. Christ the Savior was born in a place of sorrow. The story isn't over. God came to us as a Savior because you are worth way too much for God to give up on. And instead of God walking away from us, God walked right towards us, right where we are, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our sorrow, in the midst of our Bethlehems, God came and entered in. And now there's new life. There's new birth. There's a new start. There's a new sun. It's not over because God has already done it. Christmas is here. The story's not over. Your story isn't over because you have a God who can rewrite your story. You have a God who can rename and redeem your Bethlehems, and his name is Jesus, Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. Let me pray. God. Thank you for being Emmanuel, God with us. Wherever it is that we find ourselves, Lord, this night you have first found us. You are here with us. You meet us. Thank you. Thank you for Christmas. Pray this in the name of the Christ child, Jesus. Amen.